Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. We're here for our thoughts and reactions for day two of DC Fandom. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. We release new episodes every Wednesday. Quick reminder, you can find us on YouTube. Just please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for listening. All right, hey everybody, I'm Zach Slater. This is our reaction to DC Fandom. Again, the second day, I'm here with... I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. And I'm Clifton. So these virtual convention episodes are a little looser than our others. You may hear some typing and mouse clicking in the background. Uh, that's because we've watched and seen as much as we can already, but we're still sending things to each other back and forth, things we think is cool, interesting news, stuff like that. So, uh, so you might hear some of that in the, in the background. We're just letting you know. So here we are for day two of DC Fandom. Day two and a month later, actually. Day one was back in August. You could check out our reactions to day one on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Uh, so what was everyone's favorite news item that dropped today? I'd like to say um, Young Justice, the reveal of the title and the table read that they did. Well, not table read, but Zoom read or whatever. Yeah, like, like radio. Shit, well, yeah. not even radio. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I guess was it sponsored by uh, Tide or some other soapbox? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, soap company. Yeah. No, okay. but it was it was like a full twenty-two page script. I'm sure because it, <laughs> it took a yeah. half an hour. Okay, I did not yeah. get to hear. It. All I heard was the 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 Phantoms title, yes. right? Yeah. And all I could think of was Jay and Silent Bob, and that Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. That was immediately what came to mind. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not that well versed on uh, after after clerks. Yeah, it's Review a live from. Few. I think it's Jane but Silent Bob Strike Back. It's, it's oh, basically yeah. there's a point where they're talking about those two boys from uh, from Goodwill Hunting, uh, and, one of, and, and Jay is like they start talking about the fact that's like a joke. The entire movie is the fact that Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantom. So that's all I could think of when Phantom was announced for the title. <laughs> did they give any other clue about what it might be about? They did not. No, okay. not no. Even, not even, yeah. I mean, you know, standard Weissman fare, like, you know, they're not releasing any spoilers or anything, but sure. the, the episode that they read that they, that they wrote for this, I presume like is Canon. He says okay. like, so it, it's supposed to <laughs> that's, be, that's very Weissman. That's very yeah, it's supposed to be, uh, between like seasons three and four. Okay. He's, he's not yeah. going to waste writing time on something that isn't no. Canon for this. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, everything smart. counts. Yeah. Everything gotcha. counts. Gotcha. So and there was there was an item that seemed of interest in that script to story to narrative. Yeah, okay. mm -hmm. yeah. And it was that Arsenal returns to the team. Yes. Yep. Mm. Okay. But yeah. another telling is um what they did with um Clayface. That was interesting as well. Right. How yeah. they, they did a uh what's a heel turn? Face no, turn. Face turn. Sorry, face turn. Yeah. <laughs> is it Alan Titan? No, no, it was Nolan North. <laughs> Oh, okay. Maybe they're at the part of the Detective Comics where it's like Clayface and Batwoman and like the recent one. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, the J the James Tinian run. That's so, it. so yeah. okay. So, Tommy, you want to set it up for me or Clifton? Who who wants to do it? Please, please set it up because I I'm also don't know the details based upon his run. Oh no, not his run. I'm just talking about I'm talking about the 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 episode that they did. Okay, no, I I can set it up. Okay. From what I recall, um, there's a small gathering at um, whose house was this at? A snap was a snapper car. Yeah, uh, and they invited uh, members of the um, 
the original um team or team zero they called it in this particular episode in which they were i guess commemorating um um ms martian and superboy in which they're moving out or moving into their condo if i recall but what what begs interest is uh the clones the harper clones were um doing a job in which the suicide squad came in to um i guess fight them yeah yeah if i'm yeah if i'm recall if i recall i'm sorry if i'm leaving out any details concerning the matter but uh it it was it was shocking to find out that one of the um the harper clone team uh, i forget what they call it was it sharp or arrow what was the name of their um security Bow hunter. team thank Bow you hunter security that's thank what it you. is yeah. uh, zach maybe you could tell it better than me because I, <laughs> so, i'm putting all types of holes in it no so 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 that's it so basically so so the team is at uh snapper car's house lucas car yes, right yes and right. you're there to like celebrate like mcgann and, and superboy who are leaving who is voiced okay. by greg weissman himself yes yeah okay yeah. well i mean he does the voice on the show too right yeah so um so and then we kind of and then we pivot to the bow hunter um the bow hunter security spot which is arsenal and guardian right uh all voiced by crispin friedman and then they have another character named harlan who's like who's a temp right and he's helping out with them and they're and they're like escorting some like wayne tech thing in star city right and mm-hmm. then the suicide squad shows up and every and you think that they're going after the wayne tech technology right but what they end up doing is they are they basically boomerang uses his boomerangs and kind of sets like a like a net around him like like an energy net that sort of mm-hmm. dehydrates harlan right okay. it pulls all the moisture out of his body and so he's just like like a lump of dirt and yeah. you find out that like that they're coming for him. They're they're taking his remains, right? And then that's when you find out that Harlan is actually Matt Hagen, mm-hmm. right? Uh. And so they're on they're on Black Manta's like ship flying back to Bell Rev, and then they're sort of like adding water and stuff to him, and they're sort of like reconstituting him, yes. right? So they're trying to get Clayface for Waller, okay? Right? And then that's when when the the reveal is is that like, well, Matt Hagen had turned. And was tr- and was pursuing like rehabilitation and trying to get away from a life of crime and all that stuff. And Batman had uh, basically put McGann on assignment to sort of you know like like be like his therapist to sort of like help him through it all, right? And hmm. she and because of client privilege and all that stuff, like she couldn't tell anybody, right? <laughs> so that that's that's the basic setup, and that's so so um, I'll stop talking. I'll let you guys <laughs> jump in from there. No, but what makes it even more sinister is Waller and her manipulation of Hagen. That was even crazier. The simple notion of she just wanted him on her team. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. And then she didn't care about him being re- rehabilitated. She just didn't agree with Arkham's rehabilitation process in which they figure he's a, he's a felon. He's always going to be a felon. And if he's a felon, he falls under my jurisdiction. Right. And then the team falls into the issue of because they're working with the government, we are officially sanctioned not to interfere with anything with Amanda Waller's plants or anything with the Suicide Squad. That, to me, was very interesting and made it so political than it would be in the comics. Right, yeah, that's left over from season three, right? Where they have essentially, like, like, um, like the mutual agreement that, like, we're not going to fear in anything in, in each other's stuff because if we do, we have secrets about each other that we're going to reveal. Yes. Yeah. Right? So that, and that kind of sets up the situation where, so, like, the team can't, interfere to go and get Clayface. And so what they do is that like Roy is at the party, right? Red Arrow. 
who who owns uh, a bow hunter. And he's basically like, well, if I pay you all a dollar, you're all technically like my employees and we can go after him, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sort of that's sort of the setup. There's a really cool scene that I thought, too. There's a nice bit where um, Crispin Freeman is like having a conversation with himself, like as Boomerang yeah, that's and fun. as Red Arrow. Yeah, that's fun. Or Roy, I should say, because he's not Red Arrow. In this, but yeah, it was just fun to see him like go back and forth and doing the voices. Well, I like the line he puts like, really? Boomerangs? Who likes boomerangs over arrows? He's like, uh, Batman. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a nice, yeah. Batman does use boomerangs. Yep. It was a fun one. I liked it. Yeah. It was I like, fun. I love Suicide Squad, you know? So if, if it's any indication that they're going to be uh, a big part of season four, I'm in. I mean, I was in anyway, but I'm yeah, in but, more. Well, that, that version of it, I, 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 I felt they were a little inept. Mm-hmm. Basically, how it all, um, how they all failed at the end, it's it sort of felt like we're good, you're evil, we'll always win. I was like, ah, sure. It, right. it, it didn't. I didn't come across as feeling. Um, they they'd fight to li- to win another day because technically at this point they are heroes. Mm-hmm. They're just under the bidding of Waller. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but you know, I also don't know how long they had to work. On on this too, <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, but that was it, though. I mean, we we didn't get like any designs or anything like that. Like you know, um, I think Weissman had tweeted, I think two days ago or something, sort of a status on season four, and he was like, "We don't have an episode done yet." He's like, "We've been in production. We're still in production this whole time," but he's like, "All the scripts aren't written yet." Uh-huh. You know, like all like all the the last back end of the season like they're still writing the scripts for those and and still in production uh and getting animation back for like the fr- the front end of the season yeah mm-hmm. and he said yeah. they were only minimally affected by all of the shutdowns being animation that they could still write from home a lot of the the voice actors could record from home so i mean they slowed down a little bit but like they still kept working and were only minimally affected that's good no, when I fr- the other thing I heard of when I thought of when I first heard the title was all the various phantoms. Like, I mean, obviously they're dead characters, but right, mm. just the idea of what that could possibly mean, right, right. I mean, you know, just the idea of the like the phantom zone, sure, as phantom well as girl. Yeah, that was my other set. That was right. another big one that I thought was because with the tease of the legion that we'd probably get the fan, you know, phantom girl at some point, as well as the phantom stranger. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true too. So, well, returning from the dead, you also get that imagery of um, what seemed to be Jason in um, last season. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know Jason's around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that means we're going to get. The other thing is, I wondered if if it meant that they were going to lean into something like, say, uh, Blackest Night or something along those lines. That would be cool. Yeah. So, but we'll have to wait and see. It would be cool. I'm in. Like I said, I'm excited. Can't wait. So, all right. So, what what else is out there then? Who said Young Justice? Tommy, you said Young Justice. Who's next? Clifton, you want to go? Uh, yeah. So, I watched the the panel they presented for the other history of the DC Universe by, which is going to be written by John Ridley mm-hmm. and art by uh, his name's a little harder, Giuseppe Camicoli, who goes by Camo. So, yeah, it's easier just to refer to him as Camo. Awesome <laughs> nickname. <laughs> yes it really is 
but yeah, I watched the the panel for that, which is funny because I forgot that this book was first announced at in 2018 at mm. DC's DC in DC event. Yes. That happened at the museum in Washington, DC that I was at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was at yeah. the panel there oh. where they announced this and had totally somehow forgotten about it and that it, that it had not come out yet. And, and one interesting fact is, is that at the time it was announced, he announced that it was going to be featuring uh, John Stewart, Stewart. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern. And mm-hmm. in, in the one today, they brought up somebody asking, like, okay, like, <laughs> John Stewart's not in your featured characters that you've listed. Like, what happened? And his explanation was that he didn't know they were announcing it that day, two and a half years ago, and he was mm. still working on it. And so it was just like <laughs> what he thought was going to be about at the time. And then things changed. Okay. Right. So the featured characters we have now are uh, Jefferson Pierce, Black mm-hmm. Lightning, uh, Mal and Karen Duncan from okay. Teen Titans, Katana from Outsiders, Renee yes. Montoya as the question, well, and what she was before the question, and then um, Anissa Pierce Thunder, uh, okay. Black Lightning's daughter. Yeah. I thought this sounded really cool. I'm excited. I love John Ridley, so, so I was excited. Uh, about this, I had forgotten that this was also announced, like you said, Clifton, like a while ago. Like, like <laughs> right. he, he says, like in in the panel at one point, he's like, "We've been working on this for like three years." <laughs> yeah, you know. Wow. Um, but yeah, so like every issue is supposed to be in a different time period, right? So like Black Lightning, right. I remember is like gonna be in the seventies, correct? And I don't remember all of these, but I remember Light Black Lightning was in the seventies. Okay, I have the I have the notes on these. Yeah. So Black Lightning is the 1970s. That's the first book. The second book. Well, so first we'll explain that this is based on the old post-crisis history of the DC universe that was by Marv Wolfman and George Perez following the like huge event in the 80s where they reset and restructured the entire DC universe. And then afterwards came out with a book to say, like, this is the history of the universe now. Mm. And went through, like, made a whole timeline of a fictional history of DC Universe going back through, you know, all the eras of of history. And so he was inspired by that to do this now, but focusing on uh, individuals who are from marginalized groups. So it would be the the characters that were from marginalized backgrounds, what their experiences were like in, in the history of the DC Universe. So the first book is the 1970s starring Black Lightning. Second book is the Mal and Karen Duncan, who's Bumblebee from Teen Titans, who you can see on the Superhero Girls and Teen Titans Go in, in various iterations currently. And that one is set in the early 80s or late okay. 70s. I can't remember. It's the second book. Yeah, I think he said 80s, if I'm not mistaken. And then Katana is also set in the 80s. Makes sense. And and her tie-in, he said, is kind of like the based in the the fear of Japan that happened in the mid-80s. Okay. Which some people might remember, but there was like there was fear in in the mid-80s that Japan was going to buy everything in America. And that <laughs> and you see it in in Blade Runner. You see it in in Back to the Future 2, probably even. <laughs> Oh yeah, like in their visions of the future, where all the buildings have Japanese signs. It was a real paranoia back in the in the mid '80s American business culture. Uh, so he's playing up on that a little bit. 
And then 90s is going to follow Rene Montoya. Mm. And then by the set in the late 90s to early 2000s is the one uh, focusing on Black Lightning's daughter and Missa Pierce. So it's kind of like a bookend from from the father to the daughter on either end of the series. It sounds really good. Yeah. 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 I was interested in, in the the Mal and Karen stuff because he was saying how how he, he was a big fan of them reading Teen Titans. But he says like outright, he's like, I just didn't think they did enough with Mal. He was mm-hmm. like, Karen gets featured a little bit more, um, you know, but he was like, I just thought that they could have done a whole lot, whole lot more with Mal at that point. So I just, you know, I just thought it was cool that, uh, you know, he's playing with characters that, that don't get used too often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the book is coming out, what, November, they said? Yeah, that is correct. It is in November. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Five parts. Yeah. From the pitches that they put up. During the conversation, it looked really interesting as how they depict the characters. And it's funny you say, <laughs> "Camo didn't even Camo. know who." Uh, yep, <laughs> didn't even know who uh, Mal was. <laughs> right? Yeah, he yeah. wasn't familiar with some of the characters. Yeah, so they was, got him. Yeah. They got him some extensive reference to <laughs> to base his work on. But a lot of his, his work is very, very good. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a vague sounding book based off of off of the premise and everything like that. But I'm sure, you know, I'm excited for it. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. John Ridley's great. Now, he did say going back to the John Stewart, who's not no longer a featured character in the book, but he is still appearing in the book. And so where each uh, issue is going to be focusing on a different period and, and intermingling D.C. fictional history with real American history. Uh, he said that John Stewart will be a character to provide a different point of view to Jefferson Pierce in the 70s, uh, just to show different viewpoints of, of different people in the time. Right. I like how he emphasizes he didn't want anybody looking like they're a victim mm. in that particular position. I mean, right. it's just his representation seemed very um, strong and distinct as opposed to uh, what we normally see. That's why I, I took from it as well. Yeah. I thought what was interesting about Renee Montoya, what he was talking about is he, he was like the idea that she's like a person of color, but a cop also. Right. And so that's, mm. a, that's a, that's her own, like, like distinctive line that she has to cross having like a foot in both worlds. Right. She can't you be know? one or the other. Like right. she's yeah. always walking that balance. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this what they didn't talk about the, the Batman project that he's also got like on, on the, on, on the burner as well, that they were, the, that they were talking about in day one. Right. Right. But um, yeah, no, I'm uh, two two potentially really awesome stuff coming from John. Really? I can't wait. Yeah. Apparently that Batman book, I think, was the like they brought him back for this. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they brought him back to do more American way. That's what happened, uh, which was a book that he did for them in 2006, if I remember right, uh, with with Carl Story and right. Ori Genti. Yeah, and, I didn't even know that was him. That was yeah. news to me. I, I I thought I thought this was his first time writing comics. Okay, yeah, so, he had yeah. done that, and then apparently they contacted him because they were interested in more of that, and he's like, okay, and he, and then he was like, but I'd like to do some other stuff while I'm there. So we've gotten the other stuff, or we're getting the other stuff, and haven't gotten that yet. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was interesting. It was it was interesting to hear that where they they said that they were like interested in bringing him on like to do other things. So they they just didn't know what it was. They're like, right. we'll figure we'll figure out what that stuff will be later. <laughs> so that was cool. But no, this is a neat project. This is really cool. It makes me want to read the the original like history mm-hmm. of the DC universe. I don't know if that's in print anywhere. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out. I'm not sure either. Yeah, it was collected for a while. You could you could get the two issues together. Mm-hmm. Um, that with an Alex Ross cover. Right. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's still available or not. It might be. Is it's not even it's not in the back of like the Crisis on Infinite Earths trades anymore. Um, like it's not with those. I don't think it is. It should be. Well, yeah, <laughs> be fun. That would make sense. Epilogue. <laughs> yeah. Yes, basically, because it basically sets up things after you know after Crisis to give you an idea of what the timeline is until the next Crisis comes along. So, all right, cool, Frank. What did you end up checking out? I read the Milestone Returns number zero. Okay. That was one of the free comics that they put out today um, digitally. It was basically. I did not uh, grab that yet. Thank you for reminding me. You're quite welcome. So it was that. And then I think it's the first trade of Icon and then an issue of Icon that uh, uh, <laughs> gives you the first, um, that gives you the, the character Buck Wild. <laughs> From uh, Icon, he becomes a fan favorite. He's basically okay. a, uh, a an homage, a pastiche for uh, Luke Cage. Ah, um, so it, you know, and then it's 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 the first appearance of um, Buck Wild, and then uh, like Sister Jones is the villain in it, and she has a pee whip. Um, if you've never read the issue, I highly recommend that issue with Buck Wild. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Okay, but um, yeah, so I read some, I, I, you know, I, I flipped through some of that stuff because you know I've read it before, but I hadn't seen it in quite a while. Um, the primer was good. It basically gives you, if you, again, the idea it, it, it picks up with, um, rocket story and then, uh, kind of gives you the a slice of her origin and how she meets up with icon and what their old mission is. And then it also gives you a little recap of statics origin as well. And then it introduces a, um, a villain, a potential villain for, um, for when milestone comes back in February. Um, not much about him other than it just seems like there's a it's there's a racist bent to this villain uh, mm-hmm. all they really showed was him um getting ready to a, a, assault a, a an interracial couple but it also has um if you've ever read any of the other milestone stuff like shadow cabinet or that you get a little bit a little bit of a taste of some of those characters towards the end i don't want to give everything away but the main thing was it was just it was a nice jumping on point if you've never read any of that stuff before and you were interested Okay, yeah, I'm definitely checking that out because I have not read a whole lot of Milestone stuff from back when they were very active. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, same here. I've 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 barely touched a majority of their stuff. I just looked at the um the characters as a whole and mainly when they were transferred over to the DC universe. But yeah, like if you're familiar with Static Shock, the the, the animated, it definitely you know you know Virgil's you know you know his origin and it's recapped in there. Okay, right. It's a nice updating of stuff because it definitely is like same thing for for icon and rocket it's not quite what it was when it was first introduced back in the 90s um mm-hmm. 93 i think yeah so they basically you know um it gets updated and then it gets you know it gets a little bit of a a polish on it and then some things are changed a little bit different like icon's got a new costume and that you know that was in the ad the, the ads mm-hmm. for it when it was first int- first talked about back in the first round of uh announcements for milestone but it was good. It was, it's a good little, you know, it's a good issue. But the other thing is, um, along with the other free comics, like I said, I would definitely, if you've never read Icon, Icon's great. It's Dwayne McDuffie and uh, Mark D. Bright. And I believe it's the first trade that they have up there. I'm not sure because I didn't read the entire thing, but I read through like most of the first issue. 
and it was nice to see you know see it after so long so right but I'm excited. Was, I can't wait. It was I can't back, wait from, for... back in the early 90s. Was that when mm-hmm. Milestone had first started, right? Like 92, 90, 92, 93? I believe it's 90. I think Clifton was right. I think it's 93. Okay. Yeah, no, it's cool seeing them really push Milestone again, mm-hmm. which which I like. And I, I didn't check this out, but I, but they were also showing like like static episodes. Okay. As, as part as, as one of the panels in, in here. So so it is cool. Like, um, you know, I know that in day one, they were talking about like the idea that there may be a, a static movie coming. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're pushing it hard. It sounds like they're serious about it, which makes me happy because I think a static movie would be great. But yeah, this it's really cool to see to see these characters get some love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. This was also like day two is a little bit more comic driven, which I thought was interesting also. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, me. it was more it was more comic and TV. And the first one was movie and some TV. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know. Uh, for that reason, I don't think th- I think day two didn't have quite as big a splash because there was there was like no Batman trailer <laughs> like, right, like there yeah. was in the first day and right, you know, yeah. and other stuff yeah. and like Wonder Woman trailers and stuff. But, uh, you know, I thought I thought that uh, the fact that we got some comic focused stuff was really cool. I, I checked out the Rorschach panel. OK, how was that? Tell us about that one. With, uh, with, that uh, one. So Tom King was on that with Jorge uh, Fornes, who's the artist on the Rorschach. 12 issue uh, maxi series that they're doing. And this was moderated by David Lindelof. Okay. Oh, actually, really? Yeah. And yeah, the well, show comes up a the lot. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. The show comes <laughs> hey. up a lot. Wow. Did nothing, nothing was um, spoiled for you, was it? Cause I don't think you're caught <laughs> Maybe up tiny show. things here and there, no, but I'll no. tell you, I'll tell you the thing was, is that like <laughs> it, it made me like t- Tommy, you and I were talking about this the other day. Yes. Right. And like, it's, it's made me like, Kind of excited to check out the show. Good. For the, yeah. since, the three, since the three of us couldn't get that happened. Since the three of us weren't good enough. <laughs> no, yeah. I told, no, I kept, I, yes. I kept thinking you guys were joking with me. Like, we're, oh, we're no. going we're gonna, oh, we're gonna no. to get Zach to watch this. No, oh, no. Not at all. Like, I think all three of us were super reluctant going in. I think yeah. you know that about all. Like, I know. Oh, without I'm, a doubt. I'm probably I was pretty too. sure that I'm, I'm speaking for others, too. And yeah. and just to be like so surprised and turned around by opinion, like it was it was crazy good. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And great timing too. No, it does. As- so what what's interesting though is that the show I think kind of kind of was the first to crack that like, okay, we can play with it now, right? Because the before Watchmen stuff I don't think had that effect. I think people still kind of rejected, you know, doing anything with the characters. At that point, right? Like right. Darwin mm-hmm. Cook, Darwin Cook did the Minutemen book, and I didn't buy right. that until he passed away. Like, like mm-hmm. even Darwin Cook couldn't sell me right. on a Watchmen thing. But yeah, um, there's a lot of great talent involved in all of those books, and, yeah. and even still, like, yeah, like I was not, I was reluctant on those two. Yeah, but so it sounds like the show is like you know a quality piece that came out that actually proves that yeah, there's stuff to be done here, and people can can still add to it and still honor the work in some way. And that's what I think this Rorschach book is, is attempting to do. So like one of the things that Tom King was saying is that like, this was offered to him in the past and he's, and he's turned it down for a while. Right. Because his mentality was, he was saying, he's like, you don't want to be the guy that follows Richard Pryor on stage. Sure. Right. And then he's, but he cited the show also as being like that. The show was, he saw the pilot and that's what opened the door for him. He's like, Oh, okay. Like, no, like people can follow. And still mm-hmm. do yeah. cool stuff. So yeah, given time, yeah, 
Steve Ditko comes up a lot in this panel, which was shocking. <laughs> so so they're they're talking about how you know Rorschach was was conceived as as, as sort of a homage to the question and and Mr. A. Right, or, right. or these Charlton characters that Steve Ditko had had worked on right. um before uh you know yeah as as he was putting it that before he started like kind of becoming more reclusive yes. <laughs> before he became a hermit yeah yes <laughs> yeah so so it looks like steve ditko is very much like a big inspiration mm-hmm. for for this book and then like at one point like david lindelof asked him he's like do you think he would have liked it he's like oh no he's like i, th- <laughs> I think Ditko would have hated everything i did <laughs> okay. you know he's like god bless him i love his work but he's like i don't think he would have liked any of my stuff <laughs> right no, there, i mean there are stories of like kids writing kids who love spider-man writing fan letters to Ditko and him like just returning them with like yelling at them on the back of a postcard or something. Mm. He would hate, he would have hated it no matter yeah. what it was. Yeah. So, but no, it just sounds, it sounds interesting. Um, you know, uh, they do reveal in there that, you know, the character is connected to the original Rorschach, which you will understand sort of who he is and what that connection is in the first issue. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're, they're playing it vague for everything else. They're they're huh. saying that they're not trying to necessarily follow in their footstep in, in Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons footsteps in that sense of like they're not looking at like structurally like how to do it the same way. Mm. They're sort of looking they're they're like we want to try and be like how how's a different way to tell the story? What's an interesting way to tell the story? And and you know because that's what Watchmen did, right? Right? You know. So no, I, like. Uh, I love Tom King too, so you you know you guys know me. I'm gonna I'm checking this out for sure. So they mentioned, I said they mentioned the show, and then the, the I know that the only thing I read about the, the panel that Tom King said was that they weren't going to. Well, he was careful not to contradict anything they'd really done in the show. Right. He was, he was he was not saying it was directly in, involved in the same continuity as the show, but he didn't want to. He said he didn't want to screw up any of the plot points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he said he says he do, he he. he worked very hard to not contradict anything so that you could say that they are they're in the same universe right huh. if you wanted and he also like and he also uh, cites the the watchman like like role-playing game yeah apparently the expansion for that <laughs> that alan moore had a lot to do with it so it's one of those things where like not everyone admits that it's canon but there's a lot of ideas that people are like oh well this is something that he might have gone with or you know or an idea that he didn't quite get to develop in the book but definitely people look at it and say oh, okay because yeah. he apparently had a lot, he had a lot to do with when the, with the actual part of the role playing game too. So is this like a tabletop game published in the eighties? I believe I've never was, even heard of this. But there yeah. was there was I mean Marvel and DC both had um had role playing type games tabletop. Right, I had like, the Marvel one, right? Like the D, they both had them, and and obviously they both you know it was done it was based off the D and D model. Right. So they had modules and modules you know were set up like you know there's there's one that's I know there's one that's got like. Uh, there was an atlas for like the DC universe that was basically the atlas you could use to play if you want to expand beyond, say, Gotham City. Or oh Central yeah, City. I remember seeing that before because it puts Gotham in like New Jersey somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then there's got like there's like a Wonder Woman module for Themyscira and Paradise Island and all the Wonder Woman here, you know, like allies and villains and all that stuff. So there's like different things that you could do, and then like there was actual adventures you could take characters on too. And there was one for Watchmen. But it's one of those things where I don't, and I've never, I've never looked at it. I don't own it. I don't know if it's, it's one of those things that's astronomical on, on eBay or one of those sites. I don't know what else you can get. I'm sure that someone's got it, you know, a, a pirated, archived, right? Yeah, right. somewhere on online. But 
I've heard that it, you know, he was, it was, it's very much a lot of like extra stuff that, and the other thing is if you've ever read an Alan Moore like proposal or script, they're highly, highly detailed. You know, <laughs> Alan Moore can spend three pages describing the door that leads to the, the first panel of his sto- stuff. So that's, you know, you know, nothing against it, but it's one of those things where I, I, anytime I've read an Alan Moore script, I'm always amazed at the amount of, you know, just sheer. I, I heard in stuff. a Len Wein interview once when he was talking about Alan Moore's script writing. He was mm. like, he goes from one end of the page to the other. Like he doesn't use margins. He just goes, mm. he just goes until the page ends. <laughs> well, the funny thing about the, the, the story that I've heard about Watchmen with Len Wein was the idea that Len, I guess, was the editor at that time. Yeah. So when Alan Moore was turning in like the stuff for Watchmen, he was blown away and blown away and blown away. And then you get to the ending and he calls Alan Moore on the ending mm-hmm. of Watchmen. And I don't want, you know, if you've never read Watchmen, I'm not going to spoil it for you here, but. He basically says, you know, you, you've <laughs> you've given me the end of an Outer Limits episode. Oh, you really? You basically cribbed yeah. this. You basically cribbed it <laughs> right. from, from this episode, and it was one of the things. Alan Moore's like, well, I stand by it. I'm not changing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. as far as I know, it didn't. You know, it didn't get switched. But that was that's the one that I always think of when I think of it. You know, I mean, I still love the ending, of Watchmen. I, I think it's a great ending. But um, I had a question for you. Was was Doomsday Clock mentioned at all? Not at all. <laughs> really? okay. that's yeah that's that's the one that i was surprised i thought it'd lean into it the fact that he said it's taking it from rorschach's perspective yeah. but not, right not at all unless there's some detail about it that that it's mentioned that that, that went over my head okay but but explicitly i I didn't hear the word doomsday clock at all because because we're yeah. i mean not to ruin doomsday clock for anybody but rorschach's in it right or at least or at least you the know. person that you feel is the um what's it call it a pro um the recipient of being the next rorschach yeah, mm-hmm. so that's one of the things yeah. where it's kind of like, you know, the idea that they're introducing another one when we are, we just got one. Again, we, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit and I, you know, maybe we've talked about it more off podcast and on just the idea that that's one of the things with DC now is the idea that everyone has their own little fiefdoms and projects and nobody seems to be talking to anybody anymore. Right. And the yeah, idea that, true. Mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you know, you had Doomsday Clock, you've got, and that leads into my, what another thing that, that, I took a look at it and actually read the first issue finally was, I mean, we won't, we won't go into spoilers for it, but it was Three Jokers. The idea that Jeff Johns has this whole Three Jokers story going on from years ago when he was on Justice League. And in the meantime, there's been, you know, the Joker War stuff that's going on. There's all this stuff with yeah. his punchline character and all of it doesn't seem to jibe quite well. Mm-hmm. So, it's just interesting that, 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 that Doomsday Clock is not mentioned at all in this panel. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't, I don't know where, where it connects or, 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 you know, I mean, maybe it's mentioned later on in, in, in the series. Who knows? I mean, it's 12 yeah. issues. We'll see, but oh, I'm it's 12 issues. It. It's hmm? 12 issues. It's 12 issues. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tom King only writes in 12 issue arcs anymore. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Pretty much. <laughs> Tom King likes a big room. It was cool seeing seeing him and Lindelof sort of talk to each other too, because there did appear to be some genuine, uh, uh, you know, appreciation of each other's work in there a lot. Like Lindelof is also like like, like I love Vision, I love Mister Miracle, like you know, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of your stuff too. So it was cool. Okay. So, what else was out there though? Oh, for me, I, I took a liking to um the new season of Doom Patrol because. The second season ended with a really big cliffhanger. So them to announce that's coming is a relief. I'd hate to feel that 
that didn't get enough views on HBO Max in order to garner a uh, subsequent season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a plan. It was more of an announcement okay. that I was looking for as opposed to um, getting information from the um, people that built the show or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the ones where like production's kind of on standby for everything, so they don't have much to show. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talk about vaguely what they'd like to do, maybe. Yeah. If that. Right. And what's weird was it was definitely a lot shorter than the first season. Like, mm-hmm. noticeably shorter. I almost felt the need that they cut this season in half, maybe to accommodate mm-hmm. the um, the um, current pandemic um, constraints that have been placed mm-hmm. on the industry. Right. I think yeah. that's what ha- I think Flash honestly just didn't finish their season. Yeah. Because they hit shutdown. Yeah, it was good. It was like a good two or three episodes short. Yeah. Okay. So I assume they'll be wrapping up this past season storylines at the beginning of this coming season when we get it and then move yeah. on to what would be the next season storyline. Did, did Flash have a panel? They did last time. On day one. Oh, last time. Okay. Yeah. Anybody check out any of the CW panels though? Like I saw like Superman and Lois had one, right? Mm-hmm. And Batwoman. And you guys check those out? I watched most of them. Okay. I watched most of the TV panels actually today. So the the Batwoman one was introducing the new actress playing the new Batwoman. Uh Javicia Leslie. Ah, okay. 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 Um, but yeah, so it was basically how they did their their panel this time was was started with the recurring cast that's coming back, um, who plays you know the supporting cast of characters, and then brought her in partway or pretty early on in the little panel, and then kind of did like some uh, some get to know you games between her and and the recurring cast. Okay, like the or the returning cast. So it was it was a fun little thing to get to know each other a lot. But again. Not a whole lot to show. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, they hint that their big mystery is going to be that that the Kate Kane, that woman, is missing and no one knows why. Okay. So that'll be the mystery for the show where it's, you know, the characters all grappling with that in their own in their own ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is interesting. Uh, Rachel Scarston, who plays the the main villain for the show, Alice, is there and is still there. So I think it's interesting. I mean. So they reveal in the very first episode of Batwoman season one is that Alice is Batwoman's sister. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a secret held on to a little longer in the comics, but they just went right to it in the show, which I think was the correct decision. Mm-hmm. And and so it will be interesting to see how your main villain, who was the twin sister of the show's previous hero, deals with somebody else being the hero now i think there's i think there's a lot of interesting things they can do with that and she's a good villain yeah it's it's a weird curveball to throw everybody (laughs) yeah that that now that that this connection between the characters isn't there any longer but you know uh i enjoyed the show from from what i had seen you know i'd watch you know first first half of the first season and i thought it was fun yeah you know but uh yeah it's uh uh so so Batwoman goes missing and that's mm-hmm. the mystery circling season two. Right. Yeah. Interesting ripple because, you know, I mean, Batman being missing was a big was a big component of the first season. Right? So, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not quick to write it off completely just just for that. Like, you know, I think that there could be some interesting stuff to play with there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see what they have planned. 
Yeah, the only thing I saw about the CW stuff was um, Superman's supposed to get, quote unquote, a new badass suit. <laughs> yes, Again? That, was the, that was the last reveal in, of that panel. Yeah, and yeah. it's in Smallville as opposed to Metropolis. Yes, right. that's the other thing. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, okay. Hey, sorry. No, this is the show. I had the this is the show, okay. Superman okay. Lois. I thought, I thought you were telling the comics for a second. I'm like, they're changing no. it again. Okay. No. No. <laughs> and, then, and, and then it, it shift in, at least a shift in, in, I guess, tone for Legends is supposed to be from them going after time traveling magic people or, or, or you know, mythical people or, Creatures. you know, lost, lost souls from hell is supposed to be um, aliens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I did not. I did not see the panel for for Legends. Okay, and that they're supposed to be shifting away from that to it's uh, time displaced aliens, as well as they're introducing a new character that isn't really. I mean, it's a brand new character. I guess they're not. They're done with using regular DC characters for whatever reason. Um, again, there's mm-hmm. been no real explanation as to whether it's again a, a moratorium on what's you know used in the movies and what's used in the TV shows, but still, right, right, you know. I mean, you know, there's there's a million alien races you could use throughout DC Comics to fill to fill a cast member's plot, but maybe they will. Right. I don't know. But right now, they say they're not. So, yeah, uh, going back to the Superman and Lois for a second. So they they did say that it they have two teenage sons. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Despite despite them being so young. Okay. <laughs> Superman mm-hmm. and Lois actors. and it was a change because in in the continuity of Supergirl, they had one baby son like around the time that the crisis event started on the cw shows and then they used the crisis event to basically be like okay now we can do whatever we want on on our other show and just say it was it was changed because of that so Mm. by the end of crisis they've got two sons who are teenagers instead of one son that's a baby interesting well because bendis did something similar as well too where he took john jonathan kent and aged him up right right Mm yeah 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 yeah, Convergence was a baby, and then the next thing you know, he's a kid, and then Bendis is the one who basically decided, no, I want him to be the teenage super boy, so let's age him by sending, yeah. him, in, by sending him into space. I wonder if it's motivated to sort of like follow that suit a little bit. It's possible. I'm curious. I don't know. The showrunner did, uh, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, but uh, the showrunner was on the panel and talked about, like, a lot of the choices seem to be lining up with things in his life. <laughs> Okay. Like he has, like he has two sons. <laughs> mm. Todd Helbing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was it. And and so it's probably a combination of him seeing stuff in the comics and be like, oh, like I relate to that, so that's what I want to do. Right. Because uh, okay. he also talked about their move back to Smallville. He wouldn't say why they moved back, just that something draws them back to Smallville. And he just likened it to himself growing up in a Midwest city that depended on one company. Right. That, like, kept the town was the heart of the town and that company left and then the town just started slowly dying. Uh, so there's some, some seem to be some autobiographical elements that he's putting in the show. It's an interesting choice. I think mm-hmm. just, just Lois alone in Smallville, right? Just to see that yeah. character and have to be put in, like take her out of the city and put her in that, you know, scenario. Right. Um, you know, outside the fact that actually the show Smallville did it, but, <laughs> right, right, but, you, yeah, know, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Sure. <laughs> like in this capacity, I think it's interesting. But that wasn't established professional Lois. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's also funny the idea that there's scenes in 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 the crisis on CW where they're actually in in Smallville as, you know, Lois and Clark, so Right. Right. So, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm excited for it. I like Tyler Hawkland, is that his name? 
Yes. I like him as, as Superman and I like him as Clark. I think it's a good, you know, and she. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, I think they're good together. So I think it'll, I think it should be a good show. But yeah, it's, it's one of those, it'll be interesting to see exactly how all this stuff plays out, especially once they, you know, considering where we are. Is it, is it premiering this fall or is it, uh, next sort of hung year. up too? Next year? It's, okay. Yeah, they said next year. And the, and the other thing about it was that at one point when they first announced it, they said, you know, since they'd done Crisis and Crisis was huge and like by far the biggest undertaking they had done, um, that they were sort of going to pare it down for a while where it was going to be kind of like a Brave and the Bold issue or like a DC Comics Presents issue where you'd have a character teaming up with another character for a couple episodes, but nothing nearly as big as a, it's like a company cross, you know, crossover. Right. And the, and the first one was supposed to be with Superman and Batwoman. So I don't know okay. how that's going to play. Right. Right. Whether they had to scrap those plans or whether they're still going to do it with, with now that they have a new actress and a new character playing uh, Batwoman. Right. So. But the other thing about Crisis that I thought was interesting was what they again talked today a little bit about um, the Flash movie still being on track. Okay. Yeah. And the idea that, that it, it is going to be somewhat Flashpoint light. <laughs> <laughs> where it's okay. not going to be, I don't think I don't think it's going to be quite as big as it once planned where it's supposed to be. it might be still because there's still you know there's still rumors of very you know Keaton Michael Keaton's supposed to be in right. Batman as well as uh, Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman yeah and there, as well as other DC characters from previous stuff so it's kind of you know one of those I wonder how much the actual crisis on the television shows is going to play into that mm. since you did have so many characters and other actors from other Right. DC properties. And he he appears in Crisis, right? The the Flash, the, the movie the, Flash, the, the movie Flash. Yes, right. he does. Right. As it was the lower appears. Yeah, it was a last minute thing that they managed to pull off, and it's, it was a secret. It was one of those. It was a good. I mean, it's a nice. It's a fun scene. If you haven't seen it, it's a, I'm sure you can see it. You know, various spots online. But and and of course, your favorite Alex Knox from Batman '89 yes. also love appeared Knox. for for yeah. a very quick cameo. Yes, uh, quick cameo. His own show. Give him his own show, CW. <laughs> I'm a fan of Alexander Knox as well, so I was happy to see uh, Robert Wool, you know, play yeah. him again. But no, I mean, it's 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 interesting to me the idea that they try to, you know, now they're saying it's all kind of, you know, they're playing with their multiverse more than they have before. So it'll be interesting to see how much of this Flashpoint Flash movie, because the other thing they mentioned that they hadn't really said before was this is an opportunity. They definitely said it's an opportunity that's going to reset. Okay. Which makes me wonder how much of, you know, them moving forward is going to be you know, different actors or different people playing different characters or eh, everything we saw before happened. And now it's not going to, it's, it's all going to be changed because of this flash movie. Like crisis is going to happen as many times in the movies as it has in the comics. It's, it feels <laughs> like every few yeah, years, sure. they're just going to reset and be like, no, no, not that. This. Sure sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it's, it's just like the comic experience. It's like when you watch the X-Men movies and they get more confusing and, mm. and you're yep. like, it's just like the comics. It is. <laughs> They've recreated what it's like to read an X-Men comic perfectly. That's what's going to happen with DC and, and Crisis over <laughs> yep. across TV and movies. Yep. yep. 100%. It's authentic. It's authentic. <laughs> yeah, I checked out the Death in the Family DC Showcase panel. Okay. Which yeah, was cool. Yeah, I watched that one as well. Um, Frank, you'll appreciate this. Brandon Vietti brings up Judd Winnick a lot. Yes. Oh, really? That, yeah, which is yeah. Cool. a lot, a lot. Yeah, he's yeah. very Good. appreciative of, of Winnick's work. Yeah. And and understanding his role in in trying to follow up Winnick's work. Yeah. Okay. He even Very got good. like a credit in the opening um in the opening um credits that they okay. showed, which looks really cool. I mean, it looks like a uh, like a Pixar like Incredibles y like yeah, not they, detailed, they but the detailed opening sequence. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, okay. J- Judd Winnick gets like you know like a you know a credit in there as well, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So we just put up the extra about our our predictions and thoughts on on death in the family this past week. Yes, and and one thing that that Zach mentioned in that was that in the voice cast they got the guy back who played Jason Todd in in Under the Red Hood ten years ago, the animated mm-hmm. movie that this is a follow up to. But you failed to mention that that was Vincent Martello, who is the voice of Phineas. Right. <laughs> that's who, that's yeah. who is the voice of Jason Todd in his returning. So yeah. I thought it was a fun fact. Phineas from Phineas and Ferb is, is the one going toe-to-toe with Joker this time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no. Ew. Very cool. So they, so they did uh, reveal some information about it. So one of, the, one of the interesting things that I heard about this was that they said that the digital version, that when it comes out, uh, they can't have like the choose your own adventure aspect for the digital one. So what they have is sort of like the prearranged like branches, like okay. preassembled in the different cuts. And they're sort of just like, you'll get all of those versions. Yeah. You get four different preassembled linear choices, branches. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of. in, in addition to all the other showcases that came out like this year, the Sergeant rock right. and phantom stranger death and, um, Adam strange that one but they also said so but if you get the blu-ray you get there's there's something like five minutes of extra footage attached to it mm-hmm. for this which i mean like this is a 20 minute short depending right. on which uh, which path it takes so, like five minutes is a lot right of extra stuff potentially so so pick up the dvd <laughs> <laughs> yes for the full experience for the full interactive experience the dvd uh, but somebody had asked, like, how much content there is and all combined in different branches. And, and they couldn't really say, but like the one like one main branch is falling from start to finish is 20 minutes. But then there's other branches that are like seven minutes from the branching point. Hmm. And, then, yeah. and then one that's 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what yep. So it's, it's a quick finish, apparently, yep. after your choice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I think he said also that there's more than one like spot to to sort of like choose which direction. Yeah, I to, think, like, to I think there off. were like that's how they ended up with four different like branching choices. Yeah. So for that thirty routes. second one, you should not have Jason try to disarm the bomb, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Unless you guess. want to. <laughs> yeah. Jason disarms bomb. No, yeah. no, don't do that. <laughs> Get out of there. Well, what was interesting about this is it is it sounded like. It was the complete inverse of how I envisioned this project to start off. It sounded like they wanted to do an interactive movie. Right. Okay. Right. And then they mm-hmm. said that basically Bruce Tim was like, well, you know, like the most interactive like moment in DC history was Jason Todd dying. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I got from it, too, is yeah. that it was Warner Brothers home video, I guess, seeing, you know, the success of Bandersnatch and such was like, well, we should do one of those, and then went to, to Warner Brothers Animation and was like, what can you give us that's interactive? And, the, and then, like, like Zach said, Bruce Tim was like, well, like, I can think of something. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. No, I think it looks cool. They showed, you know, they showed a clip, um, which was fun, sort of. See, somebody asked about, like, Easter eggs in the, in the piece and stuff like that, and so there's a point where you see Jason, like, like fighting Two-Face or something, and they're in, like, a location in the mall, and like, mm-hmm. uh, and like a giant phone falls on top of them. They're like, they're like in an electronic store or something like that, you know? Okay. And, like a Dick's, it, like a, like a Dick's brain giant phone. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. So, so you caught that, you caught that first. <laughs> That's what he mentions. Like, well, he's like big set pieces was always 
a thing in Batman, like Adam West stuff. He doesn't say Dick Sprang, but that's where my head went to. When that's he, exactly when he where it comes it. from. But right. but he was also like, I wanted to put a point, a, a moment in there where like Jason Todd is crushed by a phone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. So no, it's a fun, like I can't wait for this movie. I can't. No, no, me movie. either. I can't yeah. wait for it either. I'm very excited. Yeah, very cool stuff. So, mm-hmm. did we miss anything else? Anybody else catch anything? I mean, I watched a bunch of the stuff. Okay, like a lot of the stuff. <laughs> but I mean, some of the other TV ones I watched, um, like I watched the Star Girl one, which was interesting. I like the cast. It's a lot of like young, fun actors. Um, not, not too much surprising or revealed in that they're prepping for season two and kind of on hold we might get dr midnight's owl because we didn't in season one <laughs> okay we, we saw who- him we saw it but uh, cool. hootie hootie might return awesome. for season two um character uh, one of the major characters is going to return uh shiv who plays the villain um mm. And then one thing they said was that there was a character that in the show ended up being uh, Dragon King that was initially supposed to be Cobra, but uh, Jeff Johns made that change mm. somewhere along the way. Hmm. Was okay. an interesting fact about the show. That's a really okay. big change because those two characters are, you know, they're not really they're not really interchangeable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I mean, that's what came out of that one. I'm going to surprise you all with this one. So I watched the Pennyworth panel. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Because I watched Pennyworth. Oh, oh I didn't I've know seen that. the entire first season. Are you okay. admitting something to us? Clifton? I watched it last week on Epics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was one of those things where like, I'd seen the trailers and was like, oh, like that looks kind of cool. Like It looks fun. So, um, yeah, just within the past couple of weeks, I finally watched it all and, and, then happened, and then didn't know if there was going to be a season two and then saw it on the schedule for this. And was like, okay, yeah, like I guess it did get picked up again. And... Wow. Like, I enjoy the show, but, you know, it's all predicated around the idea that got introduced sometime in the comics and in other stuff that Alfred's not just a butler, you know, Alfred Pennyworth, yeah. Batman's butler is not just a butler. Like now he was James Bond or yep. and like SAS agent and like <laughs> special operative and a spy and all this. And I actually think that idea is pretty dumb. Okay. Yeah. Like in the comics, I don't need that. It it does make sense to a degree to be like, well, he's an older British man, depending on when this comic is set. Like, <laughs> yeah, he would have had military service in World War One or World War Two or something. Just like right. that makes that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. But then going like all in on the spy thing, like I don't actually like. But I do firmly believe that if you're going to do it, then just go all in on it. Okay, and then take it as far as you can, mm-hmm. and that's what this show tries to do. So I respect it for that. I mean, I think I I, it, I think it's an untold was it untold legends of the Batman. I think it's it's uh, yeah, I burn, think it is. Burn, it's from that, that. Okay, we're burned. It's burn and is it is it who is so, it? Len uh, it's Len Wein. Len Wein. Yeah, and and burn and they do it and it, you know it's fine for like a panel or two, and then since then right. it's sort of snowballed. I prefer it. I mean, I don't mind the idea of him being like you know at one point he. You know, they'll learn that stuff and that's fine. I also like the idea that he does in some cases have the background of being in the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more the idea that he picked up a lot of stuff by playing different roles. Right. And I think, I think, um, Zach, you know, the bit where, when, when, in, when in Morrison's uh, Batman and Robin, where Dick is afraid to basically be Batman and he talks yeah. about, 
like, no, you're, you're playing a role. Like, I understand that this isn't normally the role that you play, but you can play this and basically shows him like within a page, you know, the transformation that he can make <laughs> to basically pull off being Batman. And that's where I think, you know, it's kind of like, you know, A and B column for, for Alfred, where I like some of that stuff, but right. I agree. Like, I don't know if I necessarily want him to be, you know, you know, like the lion and the unicorn. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of stuff where he's like completely the, the, the James Bond badass as, right. as well as the fact that he takes his job of being like, you know, it's almost like Mr. Belvedere, like Mr. Belvedere right. had a whole, yeah. like had this whole life outside of being a butler, but therefore right. he's working with Bob Euchre in the yeah. suburbs. And it does get, get like played up more and more and more like, like right. to right. a higher degree. Right. Yeah. Where like it's absolutely it's hinted at. It's hinted at in the dark night and stuff like that. And then, and then the beware the Batman show that comes out like after right. that, like goes like all in on it. And makes right. Alfred like Jason Statham, yeah. sure. You know what I mean. I don't but hate that, it. I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you guys. Like, like I, I, I like it. I can eat it any which way. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that. I don't know that there's a version yet that's figured out a way to sort of uh, um, uh, mesh it all together and make it work. Like how this right. person ends up going to because in in the comics the the essentially like his father is mm. is the wayne family butler and he passes right. away and then right. you know and asks alfred to sort of like carry on his work right. right and that is so far not in the show yeah to me it's like i think i think there still needs to be something else to it right for that yeah. you know so in but the that- show going back to the show um they your main characters in the show are are actor jack bannon who plays alfred who i think is is very good like he's a very charismatic actor and and i do like him in in this character that he's created, this version of Alfred that he plays, it's got some like hints to a young Michael Caine. Okay. Like a, like a 1960s Michael Caine, Mm -hmm. um, same Cockney accent. Right. And then, um, you have Thomas Wayne. He was played by Ben Aldridge, who is working for the CIA in London, infiltrating radical groups. Okay. That are trying to start a civil war. That's a departure, but in, in England, and then you have uh, actress Emma Pates playing Martha Kane, who mm. is working with one of the radical groups that Thomas Wayne is infiltrating on behalf of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, like, where I go with it, like, I like the style of the show. Like, they just go into full, like, mod 60s British cool. aesthetic. And and so like there's a lot of stuff like where the style just sells me on it like the the atmosphere of it sells me on how's it. And the, the performances are good how's the suiting oh you would love the <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you would love oh, the wardrobe awesome <laughs> you should just you should look up some shots so so they they make they make them like Ian Fleming yeah okay cool <laughs> but I mean isn't I was the other thing I was going to point out was doesn't doesn't Earth One also build on that the graphic novel build on the whole idea of Alfred being yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then my other, then my other question is, are, do we think like Andy Serkis is is Alfred in the in the Batman, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, do we I do think, we think one hundred percent that too? Well, even in Gotham, I mean, Gotham Alfred was very much like like played in that in that vein as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Pennyworth you know. show is from Bruno Heller, who was the showrunner on Gotham. He is also uh, the showrunner on Pennyworth. Right. And I don't think it is a direct prequel but i think it is a spiritual prequel in his mind right okay to whatever he did in gotham gotcha but yeah that was my thing was with, a- with andy circus and the batman i don't think we're going to get a less grisly or grizzled alfred <laughs> right no i so. agree with you 
I agree with you. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that version, I think that that component to the character is here to stay for a while. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I don't. But I do enjoy away. Pennyworth, so I'm looking forward to season okay. two. All right. Cool. All right then. So really quick, uh, let's go around. Uh, what one fandom day two? What do we think? If we all have a vote, probably Young Justice. Okay. Being that it's been on hiatus such a long time, it was nice to see what they're developing and what they're pushing towards in the future. Mm-hmm. How certain characters are and where they want to position them, and the title of the um, series gets leads us to believe what they're trying to push forward, even though we have no understanding of what the story, the plot's going to be. Yeah, just the name alone speaks volumes and what the direction wants to take it. Also, the inclusion of certain characters that you thought were done away, yeah, are being put on the spotlight again. Um, in which you thought that again, like the simple mention of Clayface, it, I think it's going to be the first episode of the season because that's how they started every season with yeah. the interaction with Clayface. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's true. You're right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I so for me, Young Justice wins. Um, just just as insofar that like that they did something different. I think I think like as as something to. You had to tune into this panel, right? Because it otherwise you're reading like a transcript, I guess, of the performance or something like that. But like if you were a fan of the show, like they gave us something that like we don't really we don't have a trailer. We don't have any development art that we're going to show, but we're going to give you like an episode. Right. And it, and it was like a cool thing to see all the actors in the moment, like switch the voices and stuff. Yeah, like that. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. And they, they said that they seldom ever get to do a full read like that like they you know of course like to get as many of the actors as they can into the booth at once to play off of each other but just schedules doesn't allow them to get you know literally the entire cast there at once and so that this was special for them to do basically the entire cast reading together yeah yeah so yeah yeah, because it sounds like for season four also that that none of them all recorded together They're, (laughs) they're recording in their closet or or is or is what Danica McKe- or what Danica McKellar said she she's recording in her son's bunk bed, <laughs> like surrounded by blankets. Yeah, surrounded by blankets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Frank Clifton, what do you guys say? I think just the the, the one thing that we that we got that uh, you know again it, not that the show's not getting enough attention, but I think the idea that there's a push that we hopefully get a, a Harley Quinn season three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James Gunn earlier in the week was saying he really loved the show, thought it was terrific. And they're pushing for it, and then everyone wants to get it. But at this point, there hasn't been an announcement. I was hoping today we would get one. But um, yeah, that was my thing. I, I'm really excited for the possibility of that. And I and okay. I would like to see that we get that. Very cool. For me, that I think is most exciting is the John Ridley book, the history, the other history of the DC universe. I didn't, despite the fact that I was at the first time they announced it, I <laughs> I didn't know much about the book and was uh, like excited by what they, you know, told us today. Uh, but one thing I'm going to do mention as well is that they did a documentary on Dwayne McDuffie as part of the viewing selections. And then by the time we post this, the fandom will be over. And I think there's an expiration date on most of the stuff that they'll take offline. That is one I hope they don't take offline. I hope they keep that available to watch somewhere because uh, it doesn't like, I mean, when a panel's over and the announcements are made, like, you know, the fun's over and you can find that stuff elsewhere. But like to 
it would be a shame if they take that documentary down. It's a yeah. 35 minute documentary and uh, I watched it earlier and it's very good. I mean, it tells you a lot about Dwayne McDuffie's life and it, and a lot of stuff. I don't think even the people who knew him, they seem to not know while he was alive. They seem to mm. all learn, like only know experience a piece of him at a time when he was with us. And it was interesting, like hearing all the stuff they found out about after the fact that made up this incredible man's life. Right. Uh, so if that is still available, I would recommend everyone to go watch that. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. No, very cool. Dwayne McDuffie's great. We miss him. Yeah. Miss him dearly. All right. So that's it. So tell us in the comments, what was your experience for DC Fandom Day 2? You can find links and examples to what we talk about on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Don't forget, we take topic suggestions. If you have something you'd like us to discuss, tell us in the comments. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. It'll help the channel to grow. And don't forget, you can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LetMeKnowHowItIs. And follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening. Until next time.